group of people that their premise of the show is there's a group of people their whole life they've been called wimps. They're kind of the geeks, the nerds. They've always been picked on. They have low self-esteem. And the premise of the show is they begin to take these people through this intense training course to allow them to experience what real fighters go through to help transform them and to shape them, so to speak. This is kind of an analogy. Sometimes in our, our walk with Christ, you know, we, we start out, we're kind of spiritual uh, wimps, so to speak, or we're, we're lacking. We don't have the, the strength and we don't have the endurance, so to speak, that we need. And we're to be going through a process of, of transformation. So as you kind of think of this, think of the people in the video, they were going through a, a difficult process, but they were being transformed. They were being transformed mentally. They were being transformed physically. And for some, maybe they even hopefully were transformed spiritually, applied some of these things to their, their Bible study and their life and having a set regimen. But how many here have ever been told that you're not good enough, that you're not tough enough, smart enough, or good-looking enough to do something? Anybody ever experienced that in your life? Okay, everyone on this side. Uh, this side, oh, okay, okay. I say, this side's either lying or they're perfect. I'm not sure which. Uh, this may be a, a shocker to some of you, but I'm too short to be an NBA power forward. And I, I've been told that I'm probably too hairy and not pretty enough to be a supermodel. So that might, that might come as a shock to some of you. So there, there are some realities. There's some truths to, uh, there are limits, if we're honest, to things that we can or can't do. So for some things, some of those things that people told us we will never be able to do, that might be true. Now, you don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to. But how many have ever been told that you won't amount to anything? I've been told that you will always screw up or make a mess of things or your life or other people's lives. How many of you have ever been told that you will never be able to change? A few. These are lies. And sadly, these are lies that we often are the ones telling ourselves. That we often allow to repeat within our minds. These are evil lies that have been placed within our minds to cause fear, to cause doubt, and to cause apathy. This idea that I can never change, I'm never going to amount to anything, so why even bother? The people in this video, they've been told their whole lives, you'll never be able to stand up to a bully, you'll never be able to throw a punch, you'll never be able to do a push-up. And yet, they decided to go through the pain and the process of transformation. And they were going to prove those lies false. These lies are like seeds that are planted in our minds and spirit. And as we begin to believe in them, they begin to sprout and take root. And these roots and these vines full of thorns and poison, they begin to, to wrap around our minds and our emotions and our attitudes and our views on life and our views of ourselves, our views of others, and our views of God, and our mind becomes choked, and our thoughts and our attitudes become distorted. These lies, these demonic influences, they manipulate us into captivity. They hold us back from 
moving forward and becoming all that God has called us to be. They hold us back from tapping into the potential that was within us. You saw in the video these people, there's a mom and there's this uh, computer geeks, and they had this potential in them. Now, they're maybe not all going to be heavyweight champions. I don't know, did anyone see Mayweather? He won his bout last night undefeated. There wasn't a person in that group that is going to be Merriweather. But there is potential, and there is a part of them that they have not yet discovered or allowed to take place. And spiritually, that same truth lies in every believer. But tragically, though, for many believers, there are many people who they come to believe in Christ. And this has perhaps happened to us in our lives and maybe from time to time. And we believe in the Bible and we read it. We go to church. But for some reason, we never truly believe or walk in faith in what God has promised us. Tragically, many of us, even mature followers of Christ, from time to time we find ourselves slipping into this and we believe in Christ and we believe in His love and His grace, but for whatever reason we can't seem to believe that the Creator of the universe who shook heaven and hell for us, we have troubles believing that somehow He has the power to change us. That somehow we have troubles believing that He has the power to heal us and to transform us and to transform the, the mess called us into something beautiful, something strong, something empowered, and something with divine purpose. We believe he can save us, but do we believe he can change us? Do we believe he can restore us? Do we believe we can continually be moving forward and continually being transformed and growing and growing and becoming more and more like him. Psalms chapter 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this doesn't mean just a year. This means the seasons of our lives. To bring freedom and healing and restorations to our lives. But too often times people believe the lies. They believe that they've been hurt too bad to ever, that they're too damaged to ever be used by God. They believe the lies of their childhood that they're not going to ever be good enough to do anything, to ever make a difference. So they idly sit by in, in churches or in their families' lives just letting life pass them by thinking that that's all that they can do. Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise back to life so that we would know so that we would just know how much he loves us. But he also died and he rose again to, as a demonstration of his power to change and transform us as well from death to life. Not just a 
physical resurrection that we believe in, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally in this life that we live. A Christian, a follower of Christ, a believer who is continually maturing and and growing in faith and transforming from the old image of themselves towards a clear reflection of Christ is a Christian who is alive and well. Is a Christian who has resurrected with Christ, living in Him. A Christian person who claims to follow Christ but who never changes, who never wants to change, who doesn't believe God can or will change and transform them is not living in Christ. They have not yet put to death their old corrupt and selfish worldly mindsets. They have not yet allowed themselves to resurrect to new life, to experience true change and transformation. To experience this, one must fully fully lay one's corrupt and sinful nature in the grave. See, Christ died on the cross for us. He took our shame, he took our sins, he took our, our wounds, and he put those on the cross. He killed them on the cross. And all he asked is for us to leave them there, to leave them in the grave and to walk away from them into the life that he is calling us to. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul is writing to the people in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith with the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul recognized that his old self had been put to death with Christ. That all he had to do was walk with Christ in that new life. All he had to do was receive that new life. And as he walked with Christ, that Christ would be in him and that Christ would transform him. When he says... I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He's talking about he, his flesh, his sinful nature. The corrupt self, the the self that believed the lies that he had been told. That that part never, no longer lived. When we accept Christ, and we accept the life that he offers us, our sins, our shame, our brokenness, they are all put to death on the cross. We have only to allow him to pull us out of the grave, to breathe his spirit and life into us, to allow him to change and to transform and to make us into something new and something eternally lasting. The things of ourselves that we create, the the self-created I, is continually broken. It's continually distorted. The self-made us is pressed into the the molds, the distorted molds of the world around us. This process of transformation, we must choose to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us for this to take place. We must begin to choose to love and live as Christ has called us to love and to live in the world around us. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we are to see and we are to interact and we are to respond to the world around us, not in the way our old self and our poisoned minds would uh, respond and live, but as Christ would. We're to respond as Christ would respond. We're to think of people and situations as Christ would think and see them. We're to let go of the lies that have been told us. We're to no longer see ourselves as corrupt and as distorted, but we are to allow God's grace and mercy to cover us, to transform us, and to begin to even see ourselves. Sometimes it's easy to see other people through God's grace. Begin to see ourselves as Christ sees us, to see how in love he is with us, to see how precious we are to him. And when we begin to see the value of ourselves to God, and we begin to see how much he loves us and to what extent he gave himself for us, then we begin to realize why he calls us to live the way he calls us to live. If you get a brand new car, you get a brand new sports car, shiny, new, $200,000, whatever, you don't take it mudding. If you get a brand new 60-inch television for your Packer game, you don't run old raggedy cords, set it outside, and watch the game in the rain. We think, well, yeah, that's, that would just be stupid. But how precious, how new are we when God transforms us, when he makes us new? How precious are we to him? How precious and how valuable are we to the people that God puts us in their lives that we are called to impact and to, to be his reflection to? How precious are we then? And so how do we then take ourselves mudding, so to speak? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying mudding's a sin. That, that's a lot of fun. This is an analogy. But we take that new us that God has given us and he's called us to be, and we drag ourselves through the drudges and the filth of life because we don't think we're worth anything better. We don't think it's possible for us to change. We don't see ourselves yet as Christ has called us to be and how he desires us and how he sees us. We don't realize that he put those things to death on the cross and that they've been in the grave and all we have to do is leave them there and step up out of that grave, listen to his voice as he's calling us into life and as we follow him, as we walk in obedience to his voice and to his word, that we will become transformed, that each step we take towards his voice, each step we take in obedience, another layer of that old self is peeled off and we begin to move forward into what he is calling us to be. It's only then when we begin to walk in obedience and begin to listen to that voice that we begin to understand what he is calling us to do. And we can begin to understand and to recognize his voice. That's why Paul says in Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the 
renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's so many Christians in this world that always seem confused. They always seem overwhelmed and burdened by life, and they never seem to know how to respond. They never seem to be able to walk in the victory that Christ has called them to walk into. And it's because they are holding on to their own mindsets. They are holding on to their own attitudes, and they're trying to control and steer their lives through the fog and the lies of their own minds and their hopeless agendas that they've created for themselves or other people have put upon them. They refuse to believe or to allow God to make them new, to transform them, to allow God to bring healing, to bring peace, to bring hope, and to bring purpose and restoration to their life. And unfortunately, there's so many people that they, even though they know that God loves them, they believe it somehow in their minds, they have troubles believing that they deserve it. Well, the reality is we don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. And perhaps some of the people that you think have it the most together, some of the believers that you think are just so holy, the fact is that if you really looked underneath the surface, they might be even more undeserving than you. That we are all equally undeserving of God's love. We're all equally undeserving of His grace and that transformation and that new opportunity to start afresh, to have new beginnings and new hope in our lives. But it's because of His love. It's because of that hidden potential that He sees that when we allow His Spirit to be put inside us, when we allow to step in faith and to believe in His Word and the things that He's calling us to, that that transformation begins to take place. Revelations chapter 1, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 through 8. John receives this revelation. Christ is speaking to his church through this vision. He says, He who was seated on the throne said, He saw Christ sitting on the throne room of heaven, I am making everything new. And just so John understood what was going on here, he then, said, then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, verse 6, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the word vile or the corrupt, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We see this very open and honest, direct look into eternity, into the spiritual resting place of those who would choose Christ and those who would choose not. In verse 8, we see this word, the cowardly and the unbelieving. We saw in this video people going through a transformation. These people, yes, they weren't 
the strongest. They weren't the mightiest. Their biggest sin is that before that they were cowards. Before that they had not believed what could be. They were too afraid to change. They were too afraid in the past, and they decided to make a choice and say, you know what, I'm going to face these obstacles. It takes courage to choose to allow God to have control in our lives. It takes faith and belief to believe that God can and will actually enact that miracle within us. There are those who will miss out. God is saying, I am making all things new. It is his desire that all of creation, that every living human being would come to him and that he could restore them and he could make them new and make them beautiful. But unfortunately, there are too many people who are cowards. They're afraid to let go of the control that they have of their own lives. They've given in to the lives and they don't believe that God can really change them, can heal them, can transform them. And instead, they give in to those lies. They allow themselves to be pressed and shaped into the distorted molds of this world. And they become corrupt, and they begin to go deeper into the things of this world, farther and farther from that which God is desiring to do. It takes courage to choose to allow God to have control in our lives. We can't transform ourselves. Yes, sometimes we need counseling. Yes, sometimes we need help and we need coaches to help us make wise decisions. We need wise mentors and people in our lives. But that inward work, that transformation of our mind to where we no longer see someone as a raving lunatic, but we begin to see that person as someone who's lost and needs Christ when we begin to realize that it's not about us getting what we deserve and getting our justice, but what is most important is about allowing God to work through our lives to enact His justice, to enact His love, and more importantly, His mercy and His grace. Too often times we would rather the our wrath and our justice to be lived out in the lives of others than to see his grace and his mercy lived out in their lives. That is the kind of transformation that we are to take place. The world, our society, it says it's about me. It's about fulfilling my needs. It's about making myself feel good. It's about putting myself first because no one else is going to look after me, so I have to look out for myself. This is a twisted, poisonous lie within our society. We are to be renewed. We are to be transformed and to realize that we are here for one another, that we are here to honor Christ, that we are here to extend his love and his grace. We are called to walk in faith. We are called to believe that we have to have that courage to allow him to take the will, you know, the song, Jesus, take the will. It takes courage to allow God to begin to do what he wants to do. It's unknown territory sometimes for us. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we don't understand 
God, I don't understand your ways yet. God is not asking us to yet fully understand his infinite wisdom. We're not always going to be able to do that until after things play out and we see, oh, okay, that was right. We have to have faith and belief and we have to walk in obedience to what he's calling us to do. And as we walk in obedience to his word, as we begin to have faith and believe in him, then we begin to realize that there is no wound too deep for him to heal and for him to, to restore. That there is no addiction too strong for him to break. There is no life so broken that Christ can't heal it and transform it. There is no life so burned and utterly destroyed that God can't take those ashes and bring something beautiful, something that's alive and living and bearing fruit. We just have to follow him. We just have to walk in obedience to him. We just have to allow him. We have to surrender, have that courage to let go and say, okay, God, do what you need to do within me. And like we saw in that video, I'm, I'm still, I've gone through a little transformation process myself. I hadn't done any lower body workout a few days ago and I was doing squats and there's a guy there that lifts a lot more than I do. And I said, hey, could you help me make sure I'm doing this correctly? And he's like, yeah, that looks good, but you need to, you need to go deeper. You need to go down all the way parallel. So I had to take weight off and no guy wants to take weight off in the gym. But I had to take weight off, but I listened. And I went down as far as I could and back up. And it hurts. Two, three days now. I'm still sore. I'm healing. But that hurt, that pain, is my muscle rebuilding. It's my muscle becoming stronger and becoming transformed. Transformation is sometimes uncomfortable. It sometimes hurts. The transformation process of those people who are going through, that poor guy puking in the sink, I've been there. It hurts. But when you come through the other side of that transformation, you know, they trusted their trainers. They trusted the voices that were coaching them and calling them to move forward. We're saying, there's more inside of you than you realize. You have more to give. You have more to do. You have potential that you do not even know yet. And we're going to pull that out of you if it kills you. That's what God does to us. He wants us to have the courage to step up and say, okay, God, it's going to hurt. It may be uncomfortable, but I'm going to get some courage. I'm not going to be a coward of this world that hides away from the pain and the transformation, from the blessings and the joy and the victory. And so these people, when they come through this process, they come through at the end as victors. Read in Revelation, those who are thirsty, I will give water without cost for the spring of water life. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all this. That if we hang on to Christ, as we allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to get through those spiritual workouts that God is drawing us through. He coaches us. He brings us through. We have God's word. And as we allow it to change us, to transform us, to chisel us, we come through stronger, and we come through victorious, and we come through as warriors. We come to Christ as wimps. 
each and every one of us. But he transforms us into warriors, even the least of us. You see great examples of people who have been transformed. You see we little Zacchaeus in the tree. Zacchaeus was a very despised person. He was greedy. He was corrupt. Yet he had the courage to recognize he needed to change. He had the courage to make a fool of himself and climb up in a tree just so he could see the one person who had the power to transform and to heal his broken life. And he had the courage while all the voices around him were scoffing at him and saying, you're too wicked, you're too corrupt, you don't deserve to be like him, to be with him. He had the courage to follow Christ to invite him into his home, to let go of his control. And when Christ forgave him, he had the courage then to make things right, to make the choices he needed to make, to be obedient to Christ. You have the woman at the well, John chapter 4, the most despised woman in her community. She couldn't even go gather water with all the other women because she was so hated, she was so despised. Who knows how many homes she had wrecked in that village. Relationship after relationship had been disaster. She was living with a man she wasn't even married to. And yet she finds Christ at this well. And she has the courage to say, I need that living water. I am thirsty. And she had the courage then to not only allow him to transform her, but she had the courage to go back to her village and say, I don't care what you think of me. This is the way I have found him. I am new. And God used her to lead that entire community to Christ. She became the voice. She became the, the prophetic voice and the, the leader in their community, leading them to the Messiah. We have Paul on the other end of the spectrum, thought he was Mr. Super Religious, persecuting the Christians. He was what would, I would kind of compare it to like an Islamic extremist. He was deep in his faith. He believed he was right. He didn't care that people were dying. He didn't care that people would be thrown in jail because that's what he felt he needed to do. And yet, when Christ knocked him off his horse, blinded him with that light, when God spoke to him, he had the courage to say, you know what? I've been a hypocrite. I've been a religious fool. And he realized and he had the courage and he had the faith to follow Christ and allow Christ to transform him and to go from persecuting the body of Christ to being the Apostle Paul. They all left their old selves behind. They made a choice to allow God to transform them. They took transforming steps. The people in that video, they were taking steps. They were workouts. They were taking steps forward that would transform them. And there are choices and there are life decisions that we must choose and that we must make. And there will be right choices and there will be wrong choices. And the right choices, the ones that the Holy Spirit is leading us to make, that God's word points to us and shows us is right. It is those choices that are those steps that move us farther and closer into 
transformation. The choices and the life decisions we make, they will either take us further into our transformation process or they will take us farther back into our old self. Take us back to our old deformed selves, shaped and distorted by this world. So I challenge us this morning, may we humbly be in the process from the youngest believer to the oldest believer. May we always humbly be in the process of allowing God to transform us into who and what He is calling us to be. And may we choose to take the steps of faith we need in order that we might walk in obedience to God's Word and to the leading of His Holy Spirit, that we might continue to be made and transformed into His image, into a healthy part of the body of Christ, the potential in Christ that is inside each and every one of us is limitless. God, the creator of this universe, who created us, who loves us, who died, who rose again, his calling, his potential for us is only limited to the extent that we will allow him to transform us. Is only limited to the extent that we are willing to go and to follow him, to go deeper and deeper, to fully die to ourselves. Let's pray.